0: Hello, everybody. And I am so excited you're with, with us. And we have a very, very special guest here with us uh, today. Uh- Coach Ruben, Ruben Guzman, who's a leadership coach to, to the leaders in this world and, and corporate leaders and, and individual leaders. And I am so happy, so honored that he can join us and share some of his wisdom. He's, he, uh, he's involved with in so many aspects of, of wellness with, uh, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine and, and leading corporations. And he'll tell you a little more about it and, uh, I'm Peter Goldstein. I'm founder and chief synergy officer for We Did It and where we want to see a a happy, healthy, well-fed vegan world and our contribution to that is to find ways to have better communications so that we can actually get through the people to the people we care about and help them get curious with hopeful curiosity so that they can uh, change their lives and be healthier and make their contribution save all the animal suffering that we are saving and save the environment and save the planet so with that um I want to welcome you and I want to invite you to join us on Facebook and and on uh, YouTube as so our YouTube channel. We did it that health and please subscribe and watch uh, this and share this event as well as so many other uh, awesome, awesome leaders that we we've had and will be having in the future. So with no further delays, I will welcome Ruben Guzman. Hello, Ruben. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Hello, Peter. It's my honor to be with you this, today. I, I'm just so excited. I mean, and this is a, really a great topic to be discussing with people. And be, you know, so many of us are really confronted by our relationships and the stress in our relationships, especially when we tell them we're eating only plants and we don't eat animals. <laughs> and it becomes Absolutely. really controversial. So this is a very important time to- topic, and it's very timely.
0: Yes, well, thank you for being here, and and I so look forward to hearing your wisdom. And and like you say, uh, relationships are so important. And and really, for us to be able to inspire people, we need to have the relationships. And and unfortunately, so many of us uh, didn't really know how delicate those relationships are and how to approach them. So we, we're in our community, we're hearing from experts about best practices and we have the ebook and the certification training. But we, we all have gotten into a situation where, where we've taken missteps and not knowing how to do it better. And, and we need to forgive ourselves and we need to reach out and, and heal those relationships. And, and that's, that's challenging and doable. And I'm just so, so honored that we have you here to, to show us how we can actually step into reversing the damage we've done and to, into avoiding the things that we've done wrong in the past. So I know you have an amazing presentation. Please uh, feel free to, to tell everybody so, some of your work and your background. And, uh, I know you, you're, a you're, a, Coach, and you've you've coached some some Olympic hopefuls and all kinds of all kinds of folks in all areas and corporate leaders and uh, so please tell us a little bit about yourself and your career and then I know you have an amazing presentation to share with everybody.
1: Certainly, <clears throat> thank you, Peter. Uh, well. In a nutshell, I'm a renaissance man. Okay, so I love learning. I love always learning. And my my hero growing up was Leonardo da Vinci. All right, so uh, <laughs> I, I'm an executive and business performance coach. I've been doing that for well over 21 years, 22 years now. And I have been a professional speaker for CEOs and executives and also in wellness. I've been doing that for well over 25 years. Uh, I speak to CEOs and executives for Vistage International. I travel all over the country and I love being able to do that. And it's wonderful. And I'm also one of the first board certified lifestyle medicine professionals in the world. And I'm very proud of that. I found my tribe after 30 years. I found my tribe and I'm so excited and honored to be part of that. I'm also on the committee for lifestyle and performance medicine in the workplace because wow. I'm committed to transforming the work environment for people. It's a really, it's a beautiful environment for us to really do the work. And most people don't even realize the United States Air Force is already doing this in the academy and the troops for the troops in Colorado Springs. So it's very exciting times. We're changing the world, Peter. We're changing the world and it's awesome.
0: And it's awesome. Yeah. Yes, so exciting. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Shall I shift over to
1: my presentation?
0: You bet, yes, I wish we can do that. And there we are.
1: Okay, Okay. excellent, excellent. So here's the deal, my friends. When it comes to choosing to be vegan and plant-based, emotionally it can be very trying very difficult, very straining at times. I mean, sometimes we get on Facebook, don't we? And we see things that are posted and we say to ourselves, what are you thinking? How can you do this? Are you out of your mind? And we have all kinds of experiences like that. We just do. And sometimes we get into conversations with people now, don't we? We get into conversations with people and we find it very, very straining that simply put, they just don't want to listen and sometimes we're we're screaming at the top of our lungs and the response we get from them is just being tuned out and they're just ignoring what we're saying and yet they are in harm's way we see they got issues with their health they got issues with all kinds of things going on in their life and yet they're not listening to us they don't want to listen And there's reasons for that in addition to that in addition to that, sometimes we're, some of us are even confronted with having the, the real challenge of trying to figure out, can we actually live with a non-vegan? Oh my, oh my, it becomes very, very stressful at times, doesn't it? So we find ourselves in a re- rather interesting predicament that when here we are choosing to be healthy, we see the value of being plant based we see the value of being vegan being able to make a difference for the for ourselves for our health for the for the animals for the environment for the planet it's an ex- existential opportunity for us to really make a difference and we feel like we're the lone black sheep in a flock of many other sheep and so today is about how do we take the lead? How do we take responsibility in healing, respons- in, re- in healing relationships? So my name, Ruben J. Guzman, MPH, just so you know, does not stand for the speed that I drive my car. Okay, so it stands for Masters in Public Health and LMP stands for Lifestyle Medicine Professional. So the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, most people don't know about it. It is a legitimate branch of the American Medical Association founded by many of the luminaries that most of you probably do know. So Dr. T. Colin Campbell, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, Dr. Dean Ornish, Dr. Neil Barnard, Dr. John McDougall, they're all involved. All of them are involved in the founding of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. So a medical branch that exists And this is right from the website that lifestyle medicine is the use of evidence based lifestyle therapeutic intervention, including a whole food plant predominant eating pattern, regular physical activity, restorative sleep, stress management, avoidance of risky substances. And I want to underscore this next one and positive social connection so important. As a primary modality, not secondary, primary, let's go to this, let's go to lifestyle first, medications second, delivered by clinicians who are trained and certified in this specialty, such as myself, to prevent, treat, and often reverse chronic disease. Wow. It's so exciting. It's so exciting, my friends. And so we focus on major pillars of lifestyle, teaching people, empowering people to change their lifestyle behaviors in all of these areas, nutrition, physical activity, emotional well-being, alcohol and tobacco reduction, hydration, sleep. And what we show in the research is that healthy relationships have more to do and more impact on our our longevity than even our cholesterol level. It's so important, it's so important. So we need to be aware of this. Dr. Wayne Dysinger, one of the founders of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine said this, that lifestyle medicine is the foundation of healthcare today because 80% of healthcare is chronic disease, it really is. 80% of chronic disease is caused by lifestyle. So if the disease is caused by lifestyle, the foundation ought to be a lifestyle treatment. And doesn't that make sense? It does to me, and it has for well over 40 years, and it really makes a powerful difference. And when I found out about the American College of Lifestyle Medicine in 2016, I jumped in with both feet, and October 2018, I became one of the first board-certified lifestyle medicine professionals in the world. And I'm so excited, because lifestyle medicine is really about living into what Thomas Edison said well over 100 years ago, when he said that the doctor of the future will give no medicine, none, but will instruct his patient in the care of the human frame in diet and in the cause and prevention of disease. Wow. And when you think about it, you know, the the Latin root for doctor means teacher. So it makes complete sense. So that's what we're out to do. So we have a predicament when it comes to being able to be healthy. We just do. In the world that we live in, the predicament that we face is this, as the Dalai Lama so aptly put, when he was asked about what surprised him most about humanity, he said that man sacrifices his health in order to make money. Mm -hmm. And then he sacrifices his money to try to recuperate his health, a valiant attempt near the end. And then he is so anxious about the future that he does not enjoy the present. The result being he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as if he is never going to die and then dies having never really lived. And that's very sobering when you think about it. So, what gets us into this predicament? What gets us there? My friend you know fundamentally what gets us into this predicament is our beliefs in psychology we define beliefs as thoughts trusted to be true thoughts that are that are basically forming strongly held opinions and everybody's got them and everybody's got different beliefs there's such a wide spectrum when it comes to beliefs it's really interesting we believe that our beliefs are correct We get stuck in believing that our beliefs are right, don't we? And some people have beliefs that are so entrenched. They believe that they're right. And yet all the evidence is contrary. It's completely contrary. Point in fact. All right. So there are some people, you may have even met some of these people. They still believe that the earth is flat, Mm -hmm. they still believe it, yes, they do, they're called flat earthers, and if you've ever ever had a conversation with any one of them, it's fascinating, (laughs) because they have all their logic about why the earth is flat, and it's their belief, and they're entrenched in it, so consider this, my friends, we're all conditioned to have the beliefs that we have, every single one of us. We're all conditioned. Most of us don't even realize how conditioned we are. I'll prove it. In fact, some of you may remember this. I I date myself. (laughs) Uh, So the thing is, I grew up hearing this particular jingle. See if you can complete this jingle. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, And you know the rest, oh, what a relief it is. Okay, so here's the deal. So we have to recognize this. This is the ad for Alka-Seltzer. And that was the jingle, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. And that ad still hasn't played in over 40 years. (laughs) We got conditioned because they did a job of conditioning us with the jingle, with the phrase, and we remembered it over time because it was bombarded into our heads. That's what happens to us as human beings. We get conditioned because of that. I'll give you another example. So these are actual ads that appeared in the newspaper about 75 years ago, 80 years ago. Actual ads. So on the far upper left, Nico Time cigarettes, the smooth taste expectant mother's crave. No flies on me, thanks to DDT, with a beautiful, look at the beautiful (laughs) baby's face, right? And then on the bottom left is the original Bayer Aspirin, heroin hydrochloride, Mm -hmm. actual product. And then on the bottom right, let this magic mineral asbestos protect the buildings on your farm. These were actual ads. And... Would anybody put these in the newspaper today or have ads on these? No, everybody knows that this is these are not safe. They're not safe. We have sufficient evidence, but it's taken years for us to change our beliefs. But people back then believed everything they heard, everything they saw. So they believed it all. Should we always trust the marketing? Hmm. Consider, my friends, consider that we have all been duped hoodwinked bamboozled and deceived every single one of us and it's so prevalent and your friends and family members guess what they've all been duped hoodwinked bamboozled and deceived as well so we have come to a place where we have been questioning our beliefs and i'm going to invite you to continue to question your beliefs and invite others to question their beliefs, just invite them to question their beliefs. Don't tell them their beliefs are wrong. It doesn't go well. So we need to take on the space of being a student now i I'm a student I've always been a student. I have many many, many teachers. Now, one of my teachers has some words of wisdom that he wanted to he wanted to actually appear today and, and impart this wisdom to you. He couldn't make it. So I'm going to see if I can channel his spirit right here, right now. <clears throat> Give me a moment. <sighs> you must unlearn what you have learned. <sighs> okay. Did, did, did Yoda come through for you? Did, did you get the message? I hope you did. I hope you did. Very good. So when it comes to being able to interact in our relationships with those those who are not vegan or plant-based, it's very important to recognize that we have to unlearn what we've learned. And they do too, they do too. Being vegan or plant-based, choosing to do that. Now I made a choice to be completely 100% vegan 28 years ago, 1995. And I was prior to that, I was vegetarian since mostly vegetarian since 1981. So I chose I chose to be an outlier and choosing to become vegan or plant based truly puts you in a minority. It really does. You're going to be excluded. That's how it is. That is how it is. Right now, we have a very small portion of the population that is actually vegan or plant based. Depending on where you live, it could be maybe 3%, maybe 5%, but it's still a very small portion of the population. But it doesn't feel good to feel excluded, to not be included at times. All right, That is a very daunting social situation at many times. It really is. So how do we deal with this, this isolation that occurs because we're not highly accepted? It's just part of the, the, the terrain. So, what do we need to do? Well, what I've learned for a long period of time, you know, being Hispanic and growing up in Los Angeles and, and interacting with the melting pot, I've learned that it's best to have a sense of humor. It really is. I mean, don't take life so seriously. Really, don't take life so seriously. It's not about you. When people are acting the way that they are, I learned from Don Miguel Ruiz a long time ago, to not take anything personally. And when you can go, you can transcend that principle, that agreement, into having a sense of humor, it lightens the love. It really does. So I always look for wonderful, funny memes when it comes to the social interaction of being being interplant-based. I love this one. I just got asked this question the other day. <laughs> are you sure you're getting enough protein? <laughs> I get asked that question God knows how many times. And I love this one. You know, no meat at all, are you sure you're getting enough protein? The strongest primate on the face of the planet are the mountain gorillas in Africa. They can lift 10 times their body weight, 10 times. Are you or or I are that strong? No, I don't think so. But what do the mountain gorillas eat? Oh, 60 pounds of plant material a day. Wow. Okay. And then I love this one. This happened to me uh, uh, over the holidays. Oh, you look so ill. Aren't you eating? (laughs) And they look, oh, they look horrible, right? They look horrible. And then they think I'm the one who's ill. amazing, just amazing. And and I had this experience going into the supermarket. Okay. Somebody stopped me and said, really? No meat or eggs? Um, uh, Just what do you eat? (laughs) And I just have to laugh. I just have to laugh. I got a a basket full of wonderful, healthy food. And and then in the social circumstance, you know, getting to a barbecue, the party or whatever the case may be, you know, and and of course they have their little the little side notes and side comments, right? Oh, great, who invited the before? You know, because I brought the hummus. Yes, right. <laughs> and then when it's time for your birthday, and you, and they ask you where do you want to go for dinner, and you tell them you want to go to this wonderful uh, Vietnamese restaurant like Faux Fresh, where they have a vegan uh, oil-free menu, right? And what they you get the nasty looks, right? <laughs> And it's going to happen. You're. It's going to happen. And then if you post on Facebook, right? You post on Facebook, guess what happens? You post on Facebook that this is what you're having for, for, for breakfast, right? And you get all kinds of wonderful comments and response. But the moment you put, go vegan into your comments, now you're going to get all kinds of nasty comments towards you. It's just crazy. Now, some of us, some of us, and you know who you are, Some of us get to a point where you get so sick of this that you actually start to become hostile yourself. And I love this one. You know, I started my vegetarianism for health reasons. Then it became a moral choice. And now it's just to annoy people. (laughs) You know who you are. (laughs) So have a sense of humor. Really have a sense of humor. It helps. And regardless of that, we all know how excited we get when somebody actually chooses to go vegan, we celebrate. It's amazing. I had a conversation with somebody just earlier this week, uh, somebody who had been struggling with melanoma and cancer and everything else. And when I share with her everything that about going plant-based, she's all in. I was so thrilled. It's amazing. So consider this, my friends. We got a long ways to go we have a long ways to go before the notion and the idea of being vegan or plant-based is widely accepted. There is something called the law of diffusion of innovation. So what we look at in terms of social psychology is that any new idea, any new concept, any new behavior doesn't get accepted right off the bat. There is a process, a progression in which that occurs. And we've actually got some charts to show you this. So the law of diffusion of innovation says that there's a bell-shaped curve when it comes to how new ideas, new concepts become accepted, become widely accepted. At first, the first group of people to adopt a new idea, they're going to be what we call the innovators. That's about 2.5% of the population. And we're not, past, we're, we're not very far past that idea right now. We're you know 2.5%, the innovators. The next group to adopt an idea is going to be what we call the early adopters group. That group, now they're the ones who say, oh, that looks really important. I mean, this could really make a difference. Wow, that can improve my health. Wow, uh, I'm really committed to uh, animal welfare. Wow, I really want to to make a difference in the planet. So they're going to jump on board. They'll do that. They have a cause, they're they're committed, they see the the value and they're right there. They're ahead of the curve. They're doing it. They're in the beginning. Now the tipping point, what we call the tipping point in terms of social psychology for a new idea to become more widely accepted is 16% of the population. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. After we get to that 16%, then we'll get what we call the early majority. That's where everybody jumps on. You remember cell phones? <laughs> Not everybody had them at first, but eventually you got to a point where everybody says, oh, I got to have it, I got to have it. So that's the early majority. And then you get the late majority. So they're the ones that were trailing. They say, oh my God, everybody else has one. I finally better take action. I've been lagging here, but I will get it. But then there's still another group. Now these are the laggards, all right? 16%, they drag their heels like no kidding. They resist At all costs. When it comes to cell phone usage, they are still using a rotary phone. (laughs) Honest to God. So there are people like that. They resist it. So they're the laggards. They're going to be at the tail end. So our mission, our mission right now is to get to the tipping point. We need to get there. And it's going to take work on our part. It's going to take leadership on our part to help us get to the tipping point. That's the chasm that we need to cross. The early adopters and the innovators like the innovation, like the new idea, because it's scarce. Not too many people are doing it. It's very, very easy for them to jump on board. However, to help cross the chasm, what will help the new idea that innovation become accepted is going to be social proof, social proof. So one of the things that I like to do with people who are facing an issue, they have a problem, instead of trying to just tell them my story or try to to bombard them with the research or tell them watch Forks Over Knives or watch the Game Changers, I try to connect with them. I listen to them of what they're dealing with. What's their issue? Is it weight? Is it cancer? Is it heart disease? Is it diabetes? Whatever the case may be. Now, one of my favorite tips here is I then go to ForksOverKnives.com, the website. And in the search bar, I type in the issue that they're dealing with, diabetes, for instance. And then I'll get a whole host of stories, stories of people who have been successful in dealing with that particular issue. I'll then send them, send my friend or family member those stories and let them read them for themselves. That's providing social proof. That is much more effective than any other influence tool that you can ever use is providing social proof. It's a great tool, works really well. If we do our jobs well in leading the process of healing our relationships and being able to help people to understand the value for them, Eventually, we'll get to a point where we will create a flock of black sheep. <laughs> that's who we'll be. That's that's my vision that we'll have this flock of beautiful black sheep and it will be amazing. Now, most of us know the phrase from Gandhi that we must be the change we wish to see in the world. Let's take it up a notch. I love what he said here. So this is a little bit more in depth, what he said. We but mirror. The world, all the tendencies present in the outer world are to be found in the world of our body. If we could change ourselves, the tendencies in the world would also change. As a man or a woman changes their nature, their own nature, so does the attitude of the world change towards them. This is the divine mystery supreme, a wonderful thing it is, and the source of our happiness. We need not wait to see what others do. I love that. We We need not wait to see what others do. Be the leader by example. Embrace it by example. Leadership is by example. So it's very important for us to do this. Don't get caught up in what other people are doing. If we do, then we end up suffering. Something that I learned a long time ago is very powerful understanding human nature and human behavior is that people tend to suffer. They tend to suffer because they're holding on to things. And I love what Thich Nhat Hanh said. He said this that people have a hard time letting go of their suffering. You and I have all seen this. Out of a fear of the unknown, they prefer suffering that is familiar. This is really key in understanding how we operate as human beings. Out of a fear of the unknown, they prefer suffering that is familiar. They'd rather have the the bypass surgery because they know friends that have had that bypass surgery rather than change their diet. Because that's unknown. So uh, Dan Millman, one of my, uh, another one of my favorite teachers, he said this, that life is not suffering. It's just that you will suffer it rather than enjoy it until you let go of your mind's attachments and just go for the ride freely no matter what happens. Hmm. It's our attachments. It's our attachments that get in the way of our happiness and everybody else's happiness attachments. So what does that mean? Attachments, being able to hold on to what we think life should or should not be. I love the book by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., who wrote this phenomenal book, The Five Levels of Attachment. I recommend everybody read this book. It is profound. And he describes the different degrees of attachment that we can have that actually cause our suffering. The first level of attachments is actually no attachment. No attachment. What it means to actually live an authentic life, to be operating in in your authentic self, means to operate with no attachments where you're totally present. You You have a viewpoint of acceptance of everything and everyone you live in joy, and you place no conditions and no expectations on anyone else. That's what it means to be authentic, powerful. This The second level of attachment is the mildest form of attachment. This is a preference, how we would like it to be. You know, we would like everyone to be vegan, okay, but we or we would like to see the the Sacramento Kings beat the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> but we can be okay with it if it doesn't happen. So preference is it's a mild level of attachment. We'd like it to be a certain way, but we're okay with it if it isn't. The, the next level of attachment is identity. Now what we do is we take up the attachment and not, up a notch. And what we do is we adopt an egoic label. It becomes an expression of our ego. So now what we do is we put a hat on that says vegan. We put a t-shirt on that says vegan or some other phrase on it related to that. That's identity. It's a stronger level of attachment. And it's how we see ourselves. And we're projecting that out into the world. So we're basically projecting a persona of who we are. We're declaring to the world, this is who I am. So that's identity. But now the, a stronger level of attachment is the fourth level. That's internalization. Now what we do is we internalize that egoic level of attachment and make it a condition for self-acceptance. So now we, we, we are putting in the word should. The operative word is should. I should do this. I shouldn't do this. And then we also project it onto others and impose our view on them. You should do this, you shouldn't do that. So we project the word should, there's a joke, you know, I should do this, you should do this, I should do this, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do this, you should do this. We should all over everybody, that's what we do. (laughs) So that's internalization, we operate from should. And then the strongest level of attachment is fanaticism. Now what we do is we shift from the word should to the word must or have to. So now becomes a rigid level of attachment, a very fixed mindset that we're operating from. And now becomes very exclusive. You must listen to me. You must do what I tell you. I must do this. I must do that. And it becomes fanatical. And people can be fanatical in any arena, any arena. So that's the strongest level of attachment. So what we have to be able to do, if we really want to be able to heal relationships, we have to be clear about our own attachments first. Now, please, please, please do not psychoanalyze, other people's attachments and tell them what their attachments are. That won't go well. (laughs) All right. This is for you to examine yourself. Begin from within. Study yourself. And when you can start to live an authentic life, and really be operating authentically, that will lead powerfully more powerfully than anything else. I love what Domingo Ruiz Jr. said the single most important attachment. So of all the beliefs, all the attachments to detach from, this is the most important one. Let go of the attachment that you must obtain some image of perfection in order to be happy. Mm. Mm -hmm. Those perfectionists out there, you know who you are. Let go of the perfectionism. Let go let it go it just isn't worth it it isn't worth it at all to help illustrate the journey of being able to do this i love this story it's an old buddhist tale of the old the, the old wise woman All right, the wise woman's stone so a wise woman who was traveling in the mountains found a precious stone in a stream the next day she met another traveler who was hungry and the wise woman opened her bag to share her food. The hungry traveler saw the precious stone and asked the woman to give it to him. She did so without hesitation. The traveler left rejoicing in his good fortune. He knew the stone was worth enough to give him security for a lifetime but a few days later he came back to return the stone to the wise woman I've been thinking he said I know how valuable the stone is but I'm giving it back in the hope that you can give me something even more precious please give me what you have within you that enabled you to give me the stone without pause. Isn't that a beautiful story? Mm, Makes you think. So the first order of business, my friends, is really being able to deal with our own attachments and strive towards living authentically. The next step in healing our relationships is being able to transform our communication some of us have had the experience of trying to communicate with some of our friends and family members. And it's been like this, hasn't it? (laughs) Like you're, you're trying to get your point across. They're not listening to it. They're getting their point across. And guess what? Nobody's listening. Nobody's listening at all. I love what Dr. Stephen Covey taught me is this most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Have you noticed people talking over each other? (laughs) Happens all the time. And and we don't listen. There's a rule that I learned in psychology is this. We don't listen, we never have, we never will. That is the default. (laughs) So there's a reason why we don't listen. It's called self-talk. We are listening to our self-talk all the time. Now, I can speak at about 80 to 100 words per minute. The guys on the pharmaceutical commercials go at about 150 words per minute. Have you noticed? Now, we listen to ourselves. Now, don't ask me how they measure this, okay? But we've measured that we talk to ourselves at about 300 to 450 words per minute. Amazing, that's amazing. Now what happens is this, they'll say something and then we're talking to ourselves and immediately we get triggered and, and upset. And then we've got this whole tirade going on in our head and we're thinking about what we're going to say in response and we're reactive. And it's all and it's not about them. It's all about our subconscious wiring. It's just our conditioning, it's just our beliefs that we have in our head and then we want to project all that So it doesn't go well. It doesn't work in relationships to try to argue with people. It doesn't help. Dr. Stephen Covey's fifth habit of highly effective people, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Most of us operate backwards on this. Stop trying to get your point across. Seek first to understand. That's our task. In healing relationships, we must start here. Seeking first to understand. Now, I've learned that there are three major types of listening. So the first type is what we call passive. Okay, you're there. (laughs) I hear you. You hear them, but you're not really paying close attention. All right, that's passive. Doesn't work very well. Then there's reactive listening, which is what most people do when they're having conversations and they're listening to themselves, figuring out what they're going to do, what they're going to say in response. So they're explaining, they're defending, they're negating, they're sharing pity, whatever the case may be. It's reactive listening. That's also not effective. What is effective is active listening. And being able to really connect, authentically connect with another human being, connect with them, and to connect with, from a, a space of empathy and compassion, this is what we need to learn to do. And it's a skill set. To actively listen is a skill set. Now, I have a whole webinar on my YouTube channel, and it's Communication for a Peaceful Life. My invitation is that you check it out. A lot more detail that I go into. But I'm just going to give you a couple little tips on this. So active listening, the process of active listening involves three levels of listening. First, we need to listen for the content or the words being said. Get the precision of what's being said accurately. That's listening to what they're saying. Secondly, we want to listen to the emotion, the energy in the background. What what is that? What is that energy that they're sharing with us? How are they communicating to us? And then third is being able to listen deeply to the core of their message. What is their commitment? What is their motivation? What is what's driving them? So listening for why. Now, Simon Sinek talks about in his TED talk, the the golden circle of how to be able to to communicate and starting with why. But you know what? It's also important for listening. And I love this diagram because when we we listen, what we want to do is move from the outside circle of what to the middle circle of how and eventually get to the core, which is why. So remember this diagram and you want to listen from the outside in. You listen from the outside in, and then you're going to reflect back what you're getting to them so that they feel heard. It's a process called recreating. So get my webinar going for yourself so you can really listen to that. Pay attention to your skill of active listening. It will make a difference. And realize this, that when people talk, if people talk to you, listen completely, really, It is a gift. Most people never listen. They never do. So when you listen to somebody and you really listen and you reflect back what you hear from them, it will make a profound difference. And I love what the Dalai Lama said, that when you talk, you are only repeating what you already know. But if you listen, you may learn something new, especially about them. To do that is truly an act of love. Love is accepting another human being just the way that they are. That's what it means to love. And there are several different levels in which we can love. And to be able to love someone else, to accept them for who they are as a human being, a divine creation on this planet, we first need to be able to love ourselves. And this is sometimes the hardest journey for us. Too many of us wake up in the morning and we're very harsh and critical with ourselves. You know, I I suck, my life sucks. I'm a loser. I, I'm not worthy, worthy of anything. I'm 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 not good enough. We are so critical of ourselves. We have to learn to love ourselves. And the journey to really being able to grow this movement is begins with us being able to love ourselves. When we do that, then we can love others. We you cannot give away what you don't already have. I love the word Ubuntu which means I am because we are. How can one of us be happy while the rest are miserable? So we have to be happy. We have to lead by loving ourselves first and foremost so that we can spread that joy, spread that love to them. And when we can love others, then we can also share that love to all the animals. I love this picture. Oh my God, I love this picture. I mean, those of you who have held animals, you know how nurturing and how restorative this is to be able to really connect with an animal, a loving creature on the face of this planet. That's all they are is love. That's all they are is love. And when we experience that kind of love, then we can actually extend this love to the entire world and planet in which we live. It is such a beautiful place. And we want to be able to love every aspect of it, the water, the air, the the trees, the forest, everything. We want to love this planet. So my friends, my invitation to you, is to choose, actively choose love each and every day, each and every moment of your life to choose love. All there is, I learned from Don Miguel Ruiz, all there is is love or fear. That's all there is. So the choice for us is to choose love, to accept ourselves, to accept others, to accept the animals, to to accept the, the environment and to really help work it in that direction. An example of this choice, I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories, the starfish story. An old man had a habit of early morning walks on the beach. One day after a storm, he saw a human figure in the distance moving like a dancer. As he came closer, he saw that it was a young woman, and she was not dancing, but was reaching down to the sand, picking up a starfish, and very gently, throwing them into the ocean. Young lady, he asked, why are you throwing starfish into the ocean? The sun is up and the tide is going out. And if I do not throw them in, they will die. But young lady, do you not realize that there are miles and miles of beach and starfish all along it? You cannot possibly make a difference. The young woman listened politely, paused, and then bent down, picked up another starfish and threw it into the sea past the breaking waves, saying, it made a difference for that one. I love this story. I love this story, my friends. And if we adopt being able to make a difference for each and every one, one at a time, it will make a difference. And I love this quote, too. We cannot force someone to hear a message they are not ready to receive. But we must never underestimate the power of planting a seed. Never underestimate that. You never know when it will sprout. You never know. And trust me, in my life and my experience, I've seen it sprout many times. So a few tips to help those of you who are living with a Mm non-vegan. First of all, make it about healthier choices. That's a really good place to operate from. So make it about health. That's usually not so controversial. Ask for support directly. Be clear in your asking of support. Share a vegan side dish at dinner. Okay, you know, make it simple. Start small. Make a vegan dish as your base meal from time to time. Buying more fresh veggies actually saves money. Show the difference in the, the bill, in the grocery bill. Cook together. Have fun. That's a much more fun experience. Let your partner try your vegan meals. Let them try. Here, this tastes delicious. Try it out. Just take a taste. Look at the menus in advance when you go out to a restaurant. That way you can pick things out early veganize a dessert for a surprise. I love my nice cream. All right. And have an open, kind, loving chat about your choices and being respectful and honorable about that. It really makes a difference. So my a uh, little bit about my information. That's my cell phone number, my my email address, my website. I do all of those things. and And I'm at your service. I'm very proud to be here and being able to contribute to you. And I want to finish up with one of my favorite uh, explanations, because when I when I view being vegan and plant based, I also view my background in being a yoga teacher for over 15 years and I still practice today. So I love the phrase the, the word Namaste. I honor the place in you in which the entire universe dwells. I honor the place in you, which is love, light, peace, and joy. When you are in that place in you, and I am in that place in me, we are one. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right.
0: Wow. that. that- what an amazing presentation. Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Wow.
1: Oh, you're most welcome. I, yeah.
0: yeah, I I have some notes and I I'm not even sure where I would would uh can start with it, but um we have somebody uh Maynard, he's uh he's asking about um does the concern for attachments come from the Buddhist reflection tradition, reflective tradition.
1: Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly where it comes from, but I know that it works in terms of being able to understand that our attachments get in the way of our own joy and happiness, and really uh, lead to our suffering. So um, you know, there's a lot of wisdom, and and by the way, there's a lot of wisdom from a lot of different traditions. So maybe not even just just Buddhism, because I see this in a lot of things. So it's not necessarily just one tradition. Uh I mean you see it in Confucianism, you see it in uh Hinduism, you see it in all kinds of things. So it's not just one thing. So but great question.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, well and and attachment and love. I, I I really love what you were saying about love and <laughs> and start and um I'm I'm wondering what what's coming up for me and maybe maybe for some other people and and I I'm really in alignment with the things you're saying but I'm thinking that maybe some other people are are wondering about how to reconcile the concept of love with animal compassion so mm-hmm. so how do we love and still be able to to not not be just really, I mean, once when we focus on animal suffering and animal mm-hmm. injustice, in I mean, that's how can we be a, with with love and, and acceptance? Uh, mm-hmm. With all that with all that suffering?
1: That's a very powerful question. You know, it really is. Um, we so what I've learned is that it's, you know, as, as Gandhi sh- showed so eloquently in his life, people may not agree with what we what we see, okay? We see that if we're really against the violence towards animals, for instance, okay? And we see the harm that is done by enslavement and mutil- mutilation and, and butchery and everything that goes on with animals, we see that clear as day. But other people are, they're dissociated from that. Right. So it's difficult sometimes for some of us to not judge them for their beliefs. And so we fall into a trap. If we see, we have become illuminated and most of us did not grow up being completely vegan. All right, most of us didn't, okay. There was a moment in our time in our life where we shift. We shifted our mindset, we shifted our beliefs. And so the the trap for us is that if we shift our beliefs and we see this and we've seen the light, the trap is then starting to judge others for not seeing the light that we have seen. And we start being judgmental and we start making other people wrong. And so now we're operating from a place of fear, not of love. And so we have to accept that they are on their journey. They're on their path, just like we have been. And to really operate from compassion for all beings, including the humans that are stuck in their ways right now. They're just, they're just where they're at. And I, I love what I learned from Colin Tipping, that we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. And so if we understand that we're spiritual beings, then we have a spiritual journey. And everybody's got their own. And we have to honor that.
0: yeah unfortunately that's that is that is how it is because mm-hmm. there's so so it, it seems like so many people have tried to to educate and and I'm trying to go to to this concept of how people in the vegan movement have really done a lot of harm a lot of a lot of moving backwards a lot of you know get building a label for being vegan as being so negative and really from from the larger picture all that's all that action that seems so loving and compassionate and for for the animals has has really really pushed a lot of people away rather than than help bring more people closer to being vegan, so maybe it works some of the time, but most of the time it's it's really pushed people away and and it's like oh you're vegan, I want to have nothing to do with you and 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 that's really. That's really making backwards progress. If there's such a concept,
1: yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and it's yeah.
0: it's so painful to to watch yeah. that. It's so painful to know the suffering, and and maybe that's that's just part of the 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 place that we really need to be looking at and healing on is how how painful how and figuring out how can we experience that love and compassion for for animals and compassion for for the people we care about and their health and and everything and be able to to still maintain that and 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 not 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 to damage the relationship Mm -hmm. we we need to have that relationship to be able to to be able to move it forward so wow you you've You've raised so many amazing points here. I, I so love this presentation, and I, I, I'm sure a lot of people would love to see more and um, sure. and to find your work and and to. Bring you in and do workshops, and these are things that we need to learn. We need to learn to to be at peace mm-hmm. and to be able to from that place and I think I'm hearing this as part of your messages we need to be at peace, we need mm-hmm. to be grounded, we need to be happy, we need to be balanced and grounded and then and then we can repair our relationships and 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 change the world
1: yes, absolutely. Yeah, we we need to start there. I mean, most of us, to give you a little kind of a visual, most of us live our lives in our relationships with one person having their perspective and point of view, another person having their perspective and point of view. And then what happens is that they're in conflict with each other. So what we do in conflict is we press one person against another and we push and we push. And we push and it's like two people pushing up against each other. If you push, you know, you can do this at home. Find somebody and put your hands up and then push and push harder and push harder. And you step back a little bit more and you can actually have quite an incline. (laughs) And you're pushing against each other. But there's no movement and there's no synergy and there's no harmony. There's just conflict. Yeah. So for us, we need to rec- recognize, I mean, I love what General Eric Shinseki said, that we must love those we lead. We must love those we lead. We must accept them for where they are, whoever they are. We may not agree with them. We may not like them where the, what they're doing, but we must love those we lead. So instead of pushing up against people, we invite them in yeah so we start to become more inviting now they may choose to accept our invitation or not that's their choice
0: that's their choice and and with not accepting their choice we're just going to make negative progress right what what, whatever the right word for that is but the progress is counterproductive Mm -hmm. and negative yeah absolutely amazing wow Mm mm-hmm well,
1: I mean, okay. how many of us how many of us want to go go to uh, buy a car and have a salesman force us to, be, to buy a car?
0: <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs>
1: That's not a pleasant experience. No. But it, we like the salesperson who really is articulate and gifted and gives us what we need and answers our questions and gives us the opportunity to choose for ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's No different. Yeah, it's no different
0: yeah and i i guess it's counterintuitive for us mm-hmm. to really understand that and maybe maybe that's really the speed bump for for us is that it's so counterintuitive so really we need to see ourselves as ambassadors as leaders and and as leaders come to people where they are because it's as frustrating as it is to see very slow progress but it's still better than than seeing negative progress.
1: Absolutely, you know, you you just have to embrace the slow progress, and it, it, it's getting faster. Actually, you know, I, I've been <laughs> I've been at this a while. All right, and mm-hmm. I mean, I travel all over the country, and I think about when I when I would travel years ago, and I go to an airport, I would never find anything that was healthy to eat. Right now I'm finding it. In I mean, I was just in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and they had it the, right next to my gate was this fabulous place with all, all fresh, healthy bowls and acai bowls. And I'm going, wow, this is great. That would have never been there 20 years ago.
0: Or even three years ago. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: exactly. Yeah. So we're making yeah. progress. We really we are. are. It's Correct. exciting times that we're in and we just but we, we need to tread carefully. And that's why tread I'm glad I'm, I'm here to be able to share this message,
0: yeah, appreciate you so much and tread yeah carefully and and let it unfold and probably really celebrate the successes and Absolutely. and yeah, I love when you said that you you like to share success stories with with mm-hmm. somebody who may be curious and yeah celebrating those successes, whether it's somebody's health or whether it's it's having fresh food at the airport i yeah we we need to be celebrating all this and yeah well um, unfortunately we're out of time and i want to celebrate you and thank you so very much for for being with us and and uh, look forward to to more and i i hope to have more conversations i would love to see you leading some workshops and and let's see uh, if that's something of interest to you uh let's let's look at doing that first it. yeah all right Good luck to you. Well, with that, thank you. namaste vegan. <laughs> thank you so very much. And everybody, thank you for for being with us and participating. And, and I'm sorry we couldn't get to all the questions. Um, amazing information people are writing in, and everybody loved it. And we, we shall continue.
1: Send me the questions. If you would do me a favor, send me the questions in an email. I'll be happy to okay. answer every single one of them. And then, those of you who want to ask me a question directly, feel free to send me an email. I'm happy to do that. CoachRuben at CoachRuben.com. Feel free to you do bet. that anytime. I'm here to serve. All right. All right. Thank you, everybody. Okay. Bye bye.